Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now, you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Friday, and it's a December Friday. It's the uh, second of Sombra. I hope you're having a, uh, a great Christmas. I A uh, couple things. Um, yesterday, I had a chance to uh, host a, a Christmas event for an organization called Friends in Service of Heroes. I've always been involved in charity uh, organizations uh, around Christmas, by the way, Salvation Army. And by the way, don't walk by a Salvation Army kettle if you have change in your pocket or money in your wallet. Drop some in and help them out. Because there's no organization in the world that gives more than the Salvation Army. And the people in charge of the Salvation Army generally... Not very rich people. They don't get the big salaries that some of the other charities do. So if you can help out Salarme, that would be uh, really cool. Uh, so I'm at Friends and Service Heroes last night. It's a local organization. And uh, what they do is they support veterans who've been uh, injured or experienced PTSD. And they give these veterans uh, track wheelchairs, mobility uh, chairs, and service dogs. And I got to see a bunch of friends last night uh, and a couple who've been profoundly injured and uh, now have glorious ability to go hunting and fishing and just go out with their kids and hold their kids again and all sorts of stuff. And then uh, service dogs were there last night and it was a Christmas uh, dinner and uh, and uh, it was wonderful. And I got to meet uh, Noah Gray, uh, tied in for the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way. He's like the, the other guy. He's the other tight end who's going to take over after Travis Kelsey decides to uh, call quits. Or maybe, you know, he might, he might uh, you know, uh, become as good or better than Travis Kelsey. We'll see. But anyway, really nice guy. So far, I think he's had 18 receptions, one touchdown this season. But anyway, got to meet him last night. It was really cool, and I was talking to him. And, and tight ends are interesting because they're all, they're all very similar. They're about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, they have wingspans the size of a jumbo jet. And uh, and that's what that's what they you could you could see a tight end coming a mile away right so I, I met the guy and I said I said I said man not only are you you know, tight end and you have to catch rockets from uh, Patrick Mahomes but also this time of year I would imagine that there are a lot of people asking you because you are a tight end and you have you know you're built like a tight end and a lot of people want you to put their um, their uh, angel or their or star on top of the Christmas tree and uh, you got a good laugh from the crowd. <laughs> I could laugh from the crowd last night. So, uh, but it was really, uh, it was really cool. And, and let me just share something real quick. So last night in, uh, it's in the Overland Park, Kansas, here on the Kansas side of Kansas City. And all of the Walmarts in the area got together with Friends in Service of Heroes. And there were dozens of children and their families, the veteran families, uh, the active duty military families. A lot of them, you know, Joe Biden instructed them on how to get food stamps rather than give them some money. They'd rather send billions of dollars to Ukraine. That said, a lot of people are struggling. And so the air, the area Walmarts gave every one of these families, and there were like 50 families there last night. Listen to this. Literally 50. We, we had about 50 envelopes to the families with their kids last night. And every one of those envelopes had gift cards from Walmart between $500 and $1,200. Now, I don't know what $1,200 means to you with regard to Christmas, but if you're going to spend money for Christmas, $1,200 is the nice amount to have if you don't have a lot of money. Trust me, been there, done that. $1,200? Kids, we're going to have a great Christmas. And we're going to have a great meal, maybe for once. We might even be able to eat out once or, or at least get something nice from Walmart. So there you go. Friends in Service of Heroes is the name of the group. Um, you know, we, we're going to have to do something about China. 
And I'm going to tell you right now, I am hoping and praying for the revolutionary overthrow of the Chinese Communist Party. I'll just go ahead and say it. You know what else? I'm hoping for the revolutionary overthrow of the newly elected dictator of uh, Brazil. And I am all down with President Bolsonaro. Yeah, all all for a revolutionary change how those governments are operated. And I would like to see the Chinese Communist Party fall. Now, here's something interesting. Right now, as John Kirby is saying that uh, the Biden administration, we're really looking at Twitter. We're very concerned about Twitter, you know, because they speak freely and they're allowing conservatives to talk. I mean, they're, uh, they've got touch, honey. They've got investors from other countries. Uh, but they're not going to go after Apple, which literally decided a $265 billion deal with China. And they got rid of their airdrop feature on phones in mainland China. That's a feature that people were using, protesters, to communicate with one another without the Chinese Communist Party knowing about it. It was direct communications between one phone and another. Apple got rid of it. That's like unprecedented. That's like worse than, like, for instance, you know, you always think, uh, say, for instance, the uh, uh, Japanese war machine. Did you know Mitsubishi? They made fighter planes. Then they made, uh, you know, they made uh, cars. And that, that's what happens when countries go to war. This is an American company fighting a war against innocent, unarmed people in China and paying for it. Here's a report from CNN about what's not only happening in China, but what's happening in Chinese Apple phone factories. Listen. Provided I can get it to play. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Let me see what's going on here. Having some, let, me, let me go ahead. I'm going to try this. I've got to play it from another location. Let me put it right over here. I run all of my audio by myself. Here we go. Here is each. Anger boils over into violent protests at the world's largest iPhone factory. Workers stream out of Foxconn's factory dorms in central China. Protesting unfair treatment, dirty living conditions, and chaotic COVID rules at the Apple supplier. Videos obtained by CNN show a group of police in white hazmat suits beating workers with batons and metal rods. So you can me, I got a text on my Apple phone here real quick. Uh, what was going on? I didn't hear anything. What was happening? Police are hitting people, a worker shouts in the video. A Foxconn employee at the protest told CNN, The scene turned into a river of blood. Police hit the workers ruthlessly. Earlier squadrons of riot police had rolled in. They're going to start beating us. Protesters yelled in fear. Facing is that an iPhone 11 or 12 or 16? What is that thing? That's pretty cool you got there. Rows of law enforcement with riot gear. The protest escalated into the evening. Workers tearing down COVID barriers. Excuse me a second. I'm just going to take a, a vanity photo with me uh, in the bathroom, do a little side boob action before I put it up on TikTok. Hold on. Click. There you go. Barriers using metal beams against police. Masses of them hurling metal parts towards law enforcement. Even using a COVID barrier as a shield against... And it's kind of weird because Tim Cook of Apple actually was invited to the White House last night for dinner. ...rows of authorities. They worked together to push over a police car, cheering and chanting. 
Since October, the Foxconn plant has been sealed off from the outside world after a COVID outbreak that forced employees to live and work on site. Wow, that's happening at an Apple factory in China. Sealed into the building to slavishly produce iPhones and not be able to 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 uh, to leave. That's that's uh, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? Wow. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I just got a text on my iPhone. Oh my God. Oh my God. My iPhone. Oh my God. Here is uh, Tim Cook yesterday at the White House being uh, confronted by a reporter about all this stuff. Mr. Cook, do you support the Chinese people's right to protest? Do you have any reaction to the factory workers that were beaten and detained for protesting COVID lockdowns? Yeah, we sent them a memo. Uh, It said, uh, take your beating. You're fine. Keep cranking out those phones and making no money at all for us. I mean, we'll make all the money you want. Do you regret restricting airdrop access that protesters used to evade surveillance from the Chinese government? Well, we did lose a few accounts over that, but otherwise it's fine. Because they are all murdered. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Just keep turning a blind eye to it. I think they did the same thing in uh, WW2. And I think Barack Obama did the same thing uh, in Iran during the uh, Green uh, Revolution a few years ago when he was a president. A lot of people died and everything. But uh, oh, and a lot of people are dying right now in Iran as well. And it even even old uh, old uh, uh, Barack Obama he said uh, he said well he was sorry about that. He wishes that he would have actually responded to the uh, Green Revolution in uh, Iran, but he didn't do it. You see, and now they got another one going on, and uh, oddly enough, they're not doing anything about that either. Hmm. Kind of funny. Not really funny at all, to be quite honest. Oh, 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 real quick here. I should write, I should light my votive I love Donald Trump candle real quick here before I do this next uh, story. I've been accused of being a Trump sycophant, so hold on one second. Let me light it. Click, click. Hold on one second. It's right here. Light that up. <clears throat> so. Donald Trump leading in a hypothetical 2024 Republican primary uh, among GOP voters. Uh, I didn't. I didn't do this. I know that I'm. Uh, you know. Uh, I'm right. I actually literally woke up, uh, rolled over, gave Donald Trump a kiss on the on the cheek, and said goodbye, honey. I'm going to go do the show now. So anyway, <clears throat> this is according to uh, this poll, the poll, the poll, the poll, the poll. This Rasmussen American Greatness. No, 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 that's not it. You Gov. Okay, it's Economist You Gov. All right. Trump leads 36 percent support. Ron DeSantis comes in second with 30 percent support. He's not even running yet. He says that y'all should just shut up and uh, chill out because he's got a state to run. That said, there are a lot of people wanting to get rid of Donald Trump. And they're the same people that have been trying to get rid of him for seven years. So hold on. My my votive candle to Donald Trump is going out. Hold on one second. Let me Turn the fan off here real quick. So anyway, uh, yeah, so Trump is out in front on this one, on the on the economist YouGov poll. And this is not me, the guy who, you know, literally kissed Donald Trump on the cheek this morning before he went to come in and do the radio show. Uh, uh, 36% support uh, Donald Trump, and then Ron DeSantis, and then after that, uh, Mike Pence, who will never be the president. You know who's ahead of him? Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> Senator Marco Rubio and Senator Ted Cruz, both I saw both of them when they were campaigning, uh, campaigning in 2015. I actually was almost going to support him, and then Donald Trump won. Uh, Trump also has a two-point edge among all respondents, but 29% remain unsure across the board. So there you go. This isn't about me, uh, even though I am a Trump sycophant, apparently, to some people. 
that people are saying that they still haven't given up on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I did get an email about that yesterday. I actually kind of disarmed somebody because, uh, you know, uh, the, the guy, I won't even mention his name, but he wrote me this. He wrote a letter to the manager of our, our radio station, our uh, anchor station in Baltimore. He says, I'll no longer be tuning into Rob Carson. Uh, he has become nothing more than a Trump sycophant that does not seem to have the ability to be intellectually honest or introspective concerning the former president. I write you uh, not as a never-Trumper, but as a person who voted for Donald Trump enthusiastic two times. However, I'm conservative and proud patriot first and will never put one man above all else. I am not sure Mr. Carson is actually able to do the same. Well, I did kiss him this morning. There was that. Uh, And then he says... uh, he says, anyone who would like to have other options for our nominee in 2024 or says anything negative about Trump is labeled a rhino or never Trumper. No, no, no. No, I didn't say that. I don't think people who support Ron DeSantis are rhinos. Just uh, people like Paul Ryan. He says, I'll continue to listen to the other day parts, but I will not listen to the Rob Carson show. So I wrote him. I just said, okay, well, listen, if you want to write for, uh, you know, vote for uh, Paul Ryan or whatever. And he wrote me back and it was very nice. We had a dialogue. It's kind of interesting what happens. He goes, hey, Rob, thanks for taking the time to reach out. I am uh, not a rhino or a never-Trumper. I voted Trump for twice. Does that mean that uh, I think he's perfect? No. He says, I'm eternally grateful for him. He changed the direction of the Republican Party. Hope that someone can pick up the mantle and run with it. Does, does that mean uh, if Trump is the nominee, I will not vote for him? Absolutely not. There you go. And then he went on to say, finally, uh, since you brought up Rush Limbaugh, I will comment. Nobody wants you to be the next Rush. We want you to be the best Rob Carson show possible. Um, As far as I'm concerned, I'm not trying to be Rush Limbaugh. I just was affiliated with the show for a very long time. and, And I bring the same elements that my elements that I brought to his show to this show. And the reason I bring that up is because in the original note from the, the listener, he said, he said, uh, uh, P.S., the song parodies are not that funny either. Ouch. That's like a little kick right there in the, right there. You, gah, gah. The song parodies are not that funny. And, and that's why I, I brought that up. He says, he, then, he, then he, he came back and he said this, listen, as far as the parodies go, they are not all that bad. But I would be more selective as Rush was. <laughs> so we have a new one, actually. It's about uh, Raphael Warnock. It's real good, though. It's real good. Yeah, it's real good. We'll have that. And then also on the other side of this break, uh, a message from Donald Trump, who I kissed goodbye this morning because I'm a Trump sycophant. God, he's such a sweet man. I'm going to go in and just kind of run my fingers through his hair as he sleeps. Um, uh, he, he, talked to, he delivered a message to the January 6th protesters, and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene went and visited him yesterday. And when you hear what is happening to our January 6th prisoners versus what China is doing to Apple's factory employees, you'll think that the January 6th protesters would be better off in China. That's on the way. This is The Rob Carson Show. What part of abuses and usurpations do you not understand? It's The Rob Carson Show. It is The Rob Carson Show. It is Friday. It is uh, Christmas season, everybody. Merry Christmas. Cannot wait till Christmas this year. Cannot. Last night I did an event, and uh, this is, um, I'll just play a little excerpt of it. But this is last night. Uh, there was a, uh, a singer there, and uh, all of the veterans at the Friends in Service of Heroes fish uh, event last night, the Christmas party. At the end of the event, we closed it out with all these veterans, many of them wounded. Many of them wounded, many of them, I'm sure, spent Christmases away from their family overseas. Uh, and probably no people who didn't come back. And they sang this. One cause 
That's to say thank you. Here it comes. That's what this time of year is all about. So let's sing this song together. The words are going to be on the screen as we go. Here we go. Holy night, all is gone, all is bright. It reminded me, <clears throat> in, uh, in Kansas City, there's a marvelous museum. It's a World War I museum. And we've forgotten the the Doughboys and all of those. I mean, it was an ungodly war. If you're ever in town, you've got to see this. It is unbelievable. There's 100 years ago, and those those lives are forgotten. None of them are alive. And I remember the story. There was a World War I battlefield, and the, 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 the shot stopped for a few minutes. And the Germans, and I believe it was the Americans, sang in the night, Steel Nacht, which is Silent Night. And it... Sorry. These things kind of uh, kind of get to anybody who loves their country and, and knows that people died without seeing their families defending us. Some have profound injuries for life. And in the freest country in the world, we have a group of people who are now being held because they are, uh, many of them, uh, con- or not convicted, but, but uh, they are being held on, on uh, surreptitious charges, on nonsense charges. Uh, for instance, um, things like delaying a government procedure, yeah. uh, conspiracy to obstruct an official uh, proceeding, uh, uh, conspiracy to prevent an officer from discharging duties, uh, uh, disc- destruction of government property, even though this has happened with leftists uh, summer of 20, uh, the 2020, anybody? You know, and, and, and overall, the FBI even said there was no sedition. There wasn't sedition. One person was convicted by a government, uh, a, a, an Obama judge, uh, a Washington, D.C., jury and found guilty. That was uh, Kelly Meggs. She was uh, 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 convicted of seditious conspiracy, even though there was no guns or anything. Um, but anyway, they're being held in uh, in a uh, jail in uh, Washington, D.C. And here is Donald Trump's message to them. People have been treated unconstitutionally, in my opinion, and very, very unfairly. Just a warning to you. I'm a Donald Trump sycophant. And we're going to get to the bottom of it. And you know what I've said. I take it very seriously. I have never seen anything like it at all levels. It's the weaponization of the Department of Justice, and we can't let this happen in our country because our country is going not socialist. They've skipped over that. They skipped over socialism. Our country is going communist. This is what happens, and we can't let it happen. We have to stop it. So I want to thank everybody for working so hard. I know how Now I've got the audio of uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She has been one of the few who've been willing to go into the Bastille and talk to some of the prisoners. And when you hear what's going on, when you hear the injuries that they have endured where fingers are broken and never received medical attention or an elderly man whose entire arm is purple. we got people in the January 6th prison who are being denied cancer treatment. If you're down with any of that, then seriously, go live in, in China. Go live in China. That's coming up on the other side of this. I'm going to go get another uh, uh, Donald Trump votive candle and get it smelling nice in here. It smells like cheeseburgers because you like to feed people cheeseburgers at the White House. Uh, and the uh, more of the Rob Carson Show is coming up in just a second. Don't go anywhere. If the left tells you to quiet down, get louder. It's the Rob Carson Show. 
It is a Rob Carson show. It is December the second, twenty twenty two, and we have a special guest on the hotline on the Newsmax hotline, John Schneider, actor, musician. Uh, he also he's he's an entrepreneur and he's a friend of the show. John Schneider, how you doing, man? Good, Rob. Thanks for having me. What's going on today, buddy? I, 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 you, you, I, I understand you became a grandfather, or, uh, or is this a, a second or third grandchild or your first grandchild this last week? Uh, three times over. I'm a grandfather. Uh, wow. Two, uh, two beautiful boys and a, a little girl. We got uh, Grayson. We got John Buck, and we got Avery LaBelle. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Everybody's healthy and happy, but thank you so much for asking. Did you say Avery? Avery, A-V-E-R-Y, Avery yeah. Bell. That's my daughter's name, by the way. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? And I told you, I told you this a while back. I texted you. And it's funny because, you know, I originally and, and most of us were exposed to your work originally at the Dukes of Hazard, and, and ever since my son was born, I have called him. And I don't know why I call my son Buddy Rowe. That's the nickname I gave him. And Buddy Rowe is the name that Enos gave Roscoe. In Dukes of Hazard, and 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 John just sits there and goes, "God, you really, you're not, you maybe you're just a stalker. I don't know." <laughs> so, you switch personality, you know, you switch personalities around all the time. One day you're John Snyder, next day you're John Snyder with Papa John's, and the next day you know, you never know, you're Bruce Wayne. You know, it kind of goes around. <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, can you hold hold on one second, okay? Hold on just one second. I greatly hold on one second. We got to get back with this one second. I I'll just be honest. Uh, what has happened? I'm, I'm having a little trouble hearing here. Let me let me put it back up. John, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. John Schneider. 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 Okay. Well, let me just explain what happened. Uh, John Schneider, I apologize. <laughs> oh, My, I, I since this is really uncomfortable, and I'm just going to call it out the way it was. I was told friend of the show John Schneider was on the phone. I was not told that John Schnatter from Papa John's was on the phone. And I would like to, as a professional host, apologize for you for that misunderstanding, John. No, I thought it was great. I am. am, This is. We'll have a talk. Somebody will have a talk about this. Unbelievable. Unexcusable. Unexcusable. We went went from John Schneider to John Schnatter with Papa John's to Bruce. Okay, John Schnatter. John Schnatter. John Schnatter. Schnatter. Like yes, yes, yes. So, what are you up to these days, my friend? I, I, I just, I've never had anything like this happen before. I apologize. What, what are you up to these days? Well, we got Papa's Farms. We're doing some things with organic. Uh, we're doing things with, you know, health, humanity. We've got a lot of involvement on the local community level with Reverend Cosby, uh, uh, Reverend Elliot. And uh, we're just having a lot of fun, you know, kind of exploring better ways to better humanity as far as from an aspect of health. All right. So now we can now we can reboot here, right? We can reboot this. John Schnatter, we've talked to you on the air before. And I want to I want to uh, thank you for joining me. Now, I want to ask you this, John. I know you're doing a lot of things. And, and you had mentioned the last time, and I have been looking, looking, looking around the country. You said that there is another pizza company that is is on the rise in the country that I should be aware of. Can you tell me who that was again? I like the folks at Jets Pizza. Yes. Uh, yes. That's Jimmy Galloway, uh, John Jett, 
and their family, and they, they do a nice job. They've kind of stuck to the basics of, you know, they, they, they're authentic. You know, they use great stuff. They use grande cheese. They're using Santa Claus sauce. They're making the dough in the shop. Yeah. They've got 400 stores, and they're just good people. They've got good values. They've got good culture, and they got a great product. Yeah. Now, uh, I had uh, mentioned, and I've been looking at this, and I've been actually, I think I might have written them an email about bringing it to uh, to the Midwest, but it just seemed to be growing. This is something that fascinates me, John, because I am a uh, foodie. I've got about 100 cooking videos on the web. I've got a line of products that I'm uh, trying to sell. One of them is my guacamole called Guacavages, and uh, it's trademarked, by the way. Um, and uh, uh, it, it appears that that there is a new kind of shift in the country with regard to pizza we we went to um pan pizza started with pizza hut back in the 80s then we went to new york kind of pizza then chicago pizza and it looks to me like detroit style is kind of the thing and isn't that what jet does yeah i think i think uh good food is kind of like principles the natural law it never really goes out of style um you know conservative principles conservative values you know, they just work. Um, they're a proven winner. And I think good food, good authentic food with made uh, with good ingredients. You make, you can't make uh, good wine with bad grapes, and you can't make uh, good grapes with bad soil. So I think if you start off with something good, a good foundation, you end up with a superior product. But, you know, pizza at Pan Pizza was out of this world when I was a young man. Yes. And they just let it slip. And now you, what happens when these big guys – the corporate geniuses come in the boardroom and they start cutting corners and a little here, a little there. Before you know yeah. it, you end up with a completely different product. And it leaves room for Jets or Papa John's to come in and take market share with a consumer that's more uh, quality oriented. I want to ask you this, uh, John. And uh, uh, right now, I, I read a, a study the other day, and you know, you're hearing good news. Good news today: there were 260,000 new jobs added to the uh, employment sector. Uh, I did a little breakdown. I think about uh, 100,000 people each got three jobs. That's what my <laughs> that's what my <laughs> my theory is. Because a lot of people are working second and third jobs, John. And you you're familiar with the uh, the pizza industry. Uh, you've got managers, you've got full time employees, and you've got drivers. And there are a lot of people who are picking up jobs driving uh, pizza. And my son did the same thing, by the way. My son actually worked for Papa John's. He did uh, and made a living. When you look at job numbers right now, what do you suppose is happening in the country? And how is it, uh, how are, are in these, you know, the economy impacting places like uh, pizza chains and people's ability to splurge and, you know, and buy a couple of pies on a Thursday night? Well, arithmetic's not an opinion, and you have to make ends meet. Um, when you deficit spend, you have to print money. You have to impl- uh, increase M1 and M2. When you increase the money supply with bad policy, i.e. the Federal Reserve and or the administration with its spending, you, uh, you devalue the dollar, you cause inflation, which is a cruel, hidden future tax on all Americans' earnings. So this inflationary thing is forcing people to get two or three jobs. I can remember just four years ago, we were paying a base man, a manager, a base pay of about 40, 45,000. Yeah. Well, you figure at 20 bucks an hour, now the average, you know, whether it's a phone person or somebody in the back of the house or, you know, a driver, they're, they're making what we used to pay managers just to make ends meet. So yeah. the, uh, this, this inflationary thing, when you spend tens of trillions of dollars, it's so much money that it comes back, you know, to uh, haunt us and that there's no free lunch. Yeah. Um, what, what, what concerned me about this election was you think the electorate would have had enough of this. You think they would yeah. open their eyes and, and see that these policies 
are very harsh on people that wake up every day and make this country great. The good news is we did win the House. Yeah. The bad news is kind of we didn't win the Senate, but at least we have now the checks and balances that our president yeah. put in place to keep this runaway spending at least somewhat in check. And hopefully it sets the stage for 2024 when another two years of this disaster, and it's a yeah. disaster on you know defunding the police, Afghanistan, the border, uh, the drug issues, inflation, uh, et cetera, when, when hopefully the electric sees what's really going on, um, they'll vote the right way and we can get back get our country back. Yeah. Um, I also saw a, uh, a poll the other day of 41, and, and maybe I'm sure you saw this because you, you were very well informed about things. 41% of small businesses were struggling or unable to pay rent this month. What are your thoughts on that? Because that to me is unheard of gym ownership restaurant ownerships small flower shops have you ever heard anything like this before uh no and it starts with the mindset at this administration they're this negative small business they're negative entrepreneur they don't like independent critical judgment they don't like independent critical thinking and an entrepreneur is independent they think on their own they have to they find new new ways of doing things new innovations new products a better way to do that a better way to do this, but with, remember, I grew up with Reaganomics in 84. Uh, Trump was pro-business. He was pro-entrepreneurship, uh, pro-small business. This administration does not like small business, i.e. last year they put 435 new rules in, which required the small business owners to spend 190 million more hours on administrative costs. Well, the small business owner doesn't have the scale to have a big administration department to cover yeah. all this finance, accounting, and all these rules and regulations. So these rules, they, they, they don't hurt the big sort of middle guy or the big guy. They hurt the little guy. And that yeah. starts at the top, which uh, this administration is just anti-small business, i.e. 40% of the people can't pay the rent. Um, your phone is cracking up just a little bit. Mine adjusted a little. Because I, I have an important question that I've been, I've been wanting to ask you for a while. Because, John, I, I look at you as the template with regard to success in this country. Uh, somebody who went from zero, uh, started a little uh, pizza thing in the back room, uh, you know, and then and grew it into America's most popular pizza chain going up and taking down people like Pizza Hut. And, and one of the things that I've always said in my life, John, is that making money in America is easy because if you are driven to do it, if you are willing to go outside of your comfort zone, if you are willing to do something maybe you don't want to do, you can make money. I discovered this, John, because I got let go from a radio station in Kansas City. I did not want to move my family. For some reason, talk radio, uh, they didn't want to give me a shot. And so I had to sell cars for three years. What do you sell? What do you say to people who um, who are down and out right now and, and you know, are wondering what they need to do uh, as far as, and, and use your experience in the country as a capitalist. I'd like to hear some advice from you. Well, I go, you go back to Jimmy V and all the great ones. You just never give up. Never, ever, 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 ever give up. You just keep fighting every day. And you did it. I did it. And um, listen, it's the, the light at the end of the tunnel here is the 330 million souls in this country yeah. that know right from wrong. We were raised by the greatest generation, our parents and grandparents. We know what's good, what's bad. We know, um, you know, darkness versus light. And so we are we are the ones that have to be responsible for our own future, and we're the ones that have to uh, 
uh, realize what's going on, stay conscious, and stay positive, and be that light. Be, each soul needs to be that light of positive because humanity, we're in this together. We're yes, in this together, and, and we have to look out for one another. And this divisiveness and the anger and the resentment and the jealousy uh, and the bitterness, that's got to stop. we got to stay positive. we got to stay yes, positive sir. with joy and passion and thoughtfulness and mutual respect and kindness. Now, John, you had mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast, at the beginning of the interview, that you are uh, helping people out who can't help themselves and who are in need right now. Would you like to mention that again before we say uh, say goodbye? Well, I think uh, the, the key to health is, uh, begins with a good diet, you know, uh, organic food, which is good farming, which is not centralized farming, processed foods, not healthy. we got to get off the pharmaceuticals. And the main thing is we got to take care of ourselves. And yeah. You know, we got to stay conscious and we got to, um, you know, operate with more awareness of what's going on. So, you know, I think we all take care of ourselves and take care of the yeah. people around, take care of our loved ones and take care of our communities. That'll kind of blossom into our country. Uh, what is uh, up next for you, John? What's the next entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial venture that you are planning on without giving it all up? Do you have any, any plans for either reentering the, uh, the food industry or what's, what's going on with you? Political office, John? Could you be on a ticket with Donald Trump in 2024? I can't see that happening. <laughs> um, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a serial yes, entrepreneur, so I'm allergic to patience. Yes, but, sir. You know, what I'm doing right now is being patient. I want to be opportunistic, but patient. And, uh, you know, things are starting to kind of line up, uh, but it's got to be in my soul. It's got to be authentic. It's got a better humanity. It's got to be something that I can scale up. And it's got to benefit the world. That's my four criteria. And that hasn't come along yet, but we're getting close. Very good. Well, John Schnatter, I appreciate your time today. Uh, again, apologize for the misunderstanding at the beginning of the uh, of the uh, the interview, but I I greatly appreciate it, admire you, and I want to wish you a very merry Christmas, sir, and a happy New Year. Thank you, Rob. So much, right. Rob. Thanks for you. you bet. Take care. Let's take a break. You're listening to the Rob Carson Show. Here's to a record-setting president. Joe Biden setting record low approval ratings. What the Democrats have put our nation through, it is a sad day. It's the Rob Carson Show. I love Christmas. I love Christmas. So we are uh, playing Christmas music because, you know, to look a lot like <laughs> there he is, <laughs> because uh, I think we all need a little Christmas this year, a little bit more than ever. Right. 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 By the way, I want to thank uh, Papa John Schnatter. <clears throat> you know, I thought it'd be better to just be honest that there was a miscommunication. and I was told that John Schneider was calling about 10 minutes ago. So, you know, but anyway, uh, uh, Papa John Schneider, who is uh, I, I am a huge fan of, has written a wonderful piece for Newsmax, an op-ed, and it's called uh, Divided Government is an Opportunity for Small Business. And, and the reason why I brought up to him uh, the, the concept that you can make money. You, you can make money in this country. Making money in this country is easy. What? Yeah. Making money is, in this country is, even, is easy. But you have to have a drive. You have to have a desire. And you have to realize you're not going to get rich right away. Are you going to, is making, uh, you know, Kanye West money easy? No, it's not. Is making enough to, to make a living easy? No, not necessarily. But is making money easy? Yeah, you can make money. 
I started as a child at about probably eight or nine years old selling greeting cards uh, door to door. I'd go up the road and I would walk, you know, a mile up and down the road and I would uh, take this little slip. I got it off the back of a, and this is going to sound so old to me, dear God in heaven. But anyways, it was in the 70s. All right? And, and I, and in the back of a comic book, <clears throat> you, if you, you get this order form and you could, you could sell greeting cards to people. So I went up the road and I uh, wrote down, you know, greeting cards and I sent in the orders and I delivered the orders and I made some money. That was like nine years old. Then my mom is going to make me sound even older. My mom one year when I was like 10 or 11 made uh, these little house slippers. She would knit them with my sister. And she thought we'd make a little extra money. And she sent me, sent me into Neola, my hometown, to walk around and sell house slippers because she knew I could do it. So I'm maybe 10, 11. And I, and I, and I have this little uh, beer flat. It's a cardboard beer flat, and there's a string around my neck with uh, lined up these little house slippers. I don't know why she did it. Whatever, I did it. So I, I sell all of the house slippers, and I come back with orders for about 150 pair. <laughs> and, I, and I wrote them, literally, at the people at the, at the houses. They'd write their name, their phone number, and the number of house slippers they wanted. Now, here's a problem. My mom and my sister are the only people making them, and Christmas was about three weeks away. So my mother had to fulfill these orders without, you know, like Apple can do it because they just, you know, just enslave some Uyghurs and make the phones. But my mom had to do it. And so I've been an entrepreneur ever since. My son is the same way. My son is, he worked at AMC, he's worked at a nursing home, he's worked at Walmart, he's worked at Target, he's worked at, uh, I mean, oh, he delivered pizza for, for Papa John's. Money is easy to make in this country. If you have the drive and the desire, you will not get rich right away. It's just got to be that way. But I'm going to tell you from a guy who literally worked in the largest markets in America on the radio, where I sat across the, the table from Dave Chappelle and other celebrities, where I had uh, uh, Adele about 10 years ago sing for a group of 10 people around a conference room table before she really hit it big. And I lost my job, and I had to do something. And my wife said, "Is yeah, I'm leaving you. And I said, okay. And I internalized it, and I said, not out loud, I'm going to win you back. And I said, what do you want me to do? And she says, well, sell bleeping cars. And I said, okay, I'll sell cars. And I, I went, I, got a, I had my suit, I went in, I was the only person who ever went in for a car sales interview wearing a full suit, did a professional interview, had people battling it out over me. And I sold the hell out of cars. And I saved my marriage, and we're living in a house that I bought with selling cars. So, John Schnatter on the phone is my inspiration. He should be yours and realize anything's possible, even if things are tough right now. Let's take a break and come back. This is the Rob Carson Show. Hey, guys, it's Carson, and I have a Christmas gift idea I'll bet your friends and family don't already have. As many of you may know, I have a passion for cooking. I've got about 100 cooking videos on the web. And one of the things that I like to cook this time of year are heirloom soup beans. Now, I made uh, ham hocks and beans the other day. My wife gave me the thumbs up. Not quite as good as her mom's, but pretty darn good. And I used heirloom soup beans. Now, here's the good news. My friends at Powerful Living have just received a fresh batch of premium heirloom soup beans. The ones I cook with. These beans are gorgeous, highly nutritious, some of the best tasting heirloom beans in the world. Best part... 
I have them for a hefty discount for my listeners. So if you go to heirloomsoupbeans.com, that's heirloomsoupbeans.com, give a beautifully packaged collection of premium heirloom beans on sale right now at heirloomsoupbeans.com. It's chili season, baby. That's heirloomsoupbeans.com. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. And by the grace of God, it is finally Friday. Friday. Next week, I'll be broadcasting from New York City, uh, Newsmax headquarters. I was there last year, and it was the that, that was the second time I'd ever been to New York City. And if you were listening, you know, it, it was, uh, it's a lot of fun. We're going to interview a lot of uh, newsmakers. A lot of the hosts from uh, Newsmax will be joining me. I'll be walking around uh, downtown New York and Manhattan. Uh, it was interesting. I'd never been before. And, uh, I, I mean, I've been to New York, but I, like... I went uh, to Long Island, and then I went into New York for a second to visit the studio the first time. Then I broadcast from the new, the studio in Manhattan, literally five stories up and across the street from where uh, Rush Limbaugh got his start at WABC. We're going to do it again, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy the. Uh, I think you'll enjoy the show. I think we'll uh, and get to know some of the folks at Newsmax because it is a, a great organization. I'm very proud really proud to be a part of it and so uh make sure to check it out and then my tv show i just wrapped up everything the tv show it's uh, rob carson's what in the world we wrapped up uh shooting and that yesterday we wrapped up shooting i shoot it myself okay there you go we wrapped up shooting It's like my my producers, my bevy of producers here in my studio. Yeah, it's me in a box. I uh, I do the camera, I do the video, I I stop and start the tape, and then I send it to my glorious editor Brian, and he edits it and makes it look hot. So there you go. But anyway, it's uh, Rob Carson's What in the World. <laughs> it's a cast of two involved. <laughs> uh, just just go to NewsmaxTV.com for uh, details on that. Um, some stuff coming up. I think you'll uh, you'll find interesting, including. Um, what people Democrats are saying in Arizona about the election there. They don't think it's very fair. We're going to get to that. Also, want to get to the Switzerland banning electric cars from the roads during power shortages. You, you, you know what they, you know, that's, that's the government saying you can't drive your car. And Joe Biden wants us all to drive electric cars. I'll get to that here. But I did mention uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's a racist. She's a white supremacist. She's an extremist. No, not really. No, she's a a principled conservative. Uh, and do I agree with everything she has to say? No. Do I everything uh, do agree with everything that uh, you know? Whoever the hell says uh, Paul Ryan? No, I don't. Uh, but you know, I I don't think that she is an extremist. I don't think she whatever. I think she's a very passionate conservative. I think she's a founding principle. Uh, and occasionally, I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't agree with you on that. So there you go. But one thing that she is very um, true to, and that is the January 6th prisoners being held in Washington, D.C. We have people who were on the grounds of the Capitol. Uh, some went into the Capitol. Some were invited into the Capitol. We will find out if the FBI was involved in that. I do believe they have been involved in it. And they've actually admitted uh, that 14 left-leaning groups had infiltrated the crowd at the Capitol. And by the way, the Capitol, uh, people breached the Capitol before Donald Trump finished speaking. So I could get into all of this. I've got a, I'm not going to do it, but I will tell you that the FBI literally used cell tracking technology to track down thousands of people who were near the Capitol, on the Capitol grounds, to persecute them. Even people who just stood on the grounds of the Capitol. 
We have a bourgeois, we have a proletariat, and now we have a Bastille where people are being held. And I want you to listen to Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm just going to let this go. She's not making this up. I want you to listen to what your government, your government is doing to nonviolent protesters who were not charged with sedition. Listen. They were broken souls that look like they had thought everybody had given up on them and they'd probably given up on themselves and, and everything and they were just couldn't believe that they were seeing us and they broke out some of them clapping some of them crying I got a million hugs <laughs> they'll be in prison for their second Christmas this year <laughs> And um, but we spent time talking with them and, and asking them questions. They don't receive medical treatment. Many of them are denied medical treatment. One of the men had a, a finger that was turned sideways from an injury that he had received on January 6th, and they refused to fix his finger. Another man was what the hell being refused to have treatment for celiac disease. Another man, um, an, an elderly guy, his whole arm was purple, and they were refusing treatment for him, and they were begging me to get help for him. And um, the list goes on and on. Many of them were saying that they don't get to see their attorneys, that they're denied seeing their attorneys. We're CNN. What about Abu Ghraib? What about when George Bush was the president? What about that? Where is, where is the outrage? That they have to... They have to, you know, because of COVID and all these rules, that they have to go in solitary confinement, you know, for how, however many days before. The They're using COVID in the prison like Democrats used COVID and would like to use COVID against us in the last two years. They're allowed to see their attorney. And this, the part that was shocking was it's even worse if they're not vaccinated. You know, it's bad enough in wow. the jail if you're a pretrial January 6th defendant. But if you're an unvaccinated pretrial January 6th defendant, you're on a whole new level. You're denied uh, Christian services, church services, communion. You're denied haircuts. Uh, you're denied many things that are just basic human rights. Wow. That's happening. There's no doubting that. I've heard and shared the story of the gentleman with the broken finger and the older man with the purple arm and another man that has been refused cancer treatment. It is now stage three. This has been verified. This is an agent of the federal government, a member of Congress who went into that jail, and that's what she saw. And I'm going to tell you, this is the kind of crap that gets governments out of power. There has to be a point where we look at Kevin McCarthy or whoever's going to be in charge and they march in there and they free those people and they replace the people in those cells with the people who put these prisoners through that. We cannot accept this in our country. We cannot accept this. It's absolutely outrageous. And all of the people who said, oh, there was waterboarding. They waterboarded a 9-11 a terrorist twice. And then they played loud music. And then they gave them, uh, you know, uh, faith-appropriate meals and built them a soccer complex. Unbelievable, guys.
I mean, just really, 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 really unbelievable, unacceptable. Oh, this is kind of interesting. Out of uh, out of Georgia, out of Georgia, you know, you got a runoff election there. You got Raphael Warnock and you got uh, Herschel Walker. This is uh, this is an interesting report. Uh, uh, Georgia's Raphael Warnock received over twenty film twenty four million dollars from hundreds of quote campaign finance mules, including unemployed donors who gave small amounts in over three hundred fifty eight thousand donations. Isn't that interesting? We, we, you, you think it's just about stealing votes and drop boxes? Oh, no, it's much bigger. You think it's about billionaires buying elections? Oh, no, it's bigger than that. Bigger than that. Yeah, Raphael Warnock raised $52 million for his re-election between October 20th and November 16th, more than doubling the fundraising total of his opponent, Herschel Walker. In uh, April 2022, engineer Chris Gleason began working on his data project involving elections. Turns out that uh, Warnock was a top beneficiary of all 2022 Democrat candidates of uh, money in this uh, in this scheme, including campaign finance mules. Now, the goal was to determine who was most likely to vote for which candidate, how likely they were to support particular candidates' causes. What he found out was that they invited, it, 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 they it identified mass numbers listen this is happening massive numbers of uh, of thousands of, of donations to the Democrat Party candidates nationwide and progressive PACs the individual uh, donations were not large these donations were small and had been intentionally set up to avoid throwing red flags kind of like those red flags on all the the uh, the uh, uh, monetary transactions that the Biden family went through that were acknowledged by the government one of the biggest flags was that all of these campaigns finance mules in Washington State had been making donations to Raphael Warnock in Georgia. There were thousands of people, uh, many of them unemployed, making donations to Raphael Warnock in Georgia. How is it that so many unemployed people uh, it says here, uh, uh, they noticed a pattern of discovery and that many of these donors were unemployed. It appeared that their full-time job was making donations to Democrat candidates. How is it that so many people unemployed in Washington state would be donating with such frequency to a Senate race in Georgia? Yeah, it's kind of weird. There were massive numbers of Democrat donors making donations at a rate that defied all logical reason. How could so many people be making so many donations all to the same exact organizations and candidates? How could all of these campaign finance mules be donating largely to Raphael Warnock? Weird. Yeah. Uh, he did a little, this guy did a little further digging uh, and also investigated how much money the uh, most prolific Florida campaign finance mule donated to local Florida elections. In a stunning turn of events, the Florida campaign finance mule made a massive number of donations on the state side with Florida, too. Yeah. And, and listen to this. Apparently, this uh, this Florida voter also uh, made large donations using an address in uh, Rhode Island. Yeah, the Florida campaign finance mule and, and Mrs. Rhode Island campaign's finance mule ended up being the same person. Raphael Warnock managed to uh, receive over 358,000 donations from unemployed average Americans that totaled more than $24 million. That's kind of funny that people in uh, other states like that would be so passionate about uh, voting for Raphael Warnock.
And then, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but, uh, you know, the big guns are going down to do campaign, including Michelle Obama. Speaking of big guns, she got some big guns. I'm telling you, you'd not want to be on the receiving end of that if you were a quarterback. And then uh, Barack Obama, too, by the way. Barack Obama going down to Georgia. This is new from Jim Gossett. I think you'll enjoy it. The Rob Carson Show. Obama went down to Georgia because he was looking for some votes to steal. Yeah. Suitcases full, I got the pull to make a dirty deal. Get the money from Washington. The Reverend Warnock asked me to come down to his state, though anyone that I endorse has usually sealed his fate. <laughs> he said, please help me, Barry. You're the master of deceit. Yep. Tell him that I never ran a car over my wife's feet. <laughs> Tell him Herschel's lying. That's what you must do. Though everything that Herschel said is absolutely true. You see, Robin got arrested because he tried to obstruct what went on at his summer camp, but the charges, they were chucked. I'll go down and say my piece. Cause like me, he hates police. Raphael ran down his wife. The man has never been pro-life. That is spectacular. Oh, my goodness. Oh, uh, by the way, that's from Jim Gossett. Uh, uh, <laughs> that'll be featured on the podcast today, NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. Uh, his show's been sold out tomorrow night in Georgia, by the way, in Atlanta. I thought you should know. So uh, that's going on. If you want to check out anything else that Jim is doing, and by the way, we hope to take my show on the road with Jim in the coming year. And trust me, it's going to be epic. Let's take a break. You're listening to The Rob Carson Show. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. His first grade teacher said he talked out of turn. Worse after he's missed a day. Well, things haven't changed. It's the Rob Carson Show. This is one of my favorite Christmas songs of all time. Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Listen to that. Hey, you know what song? You know what really got me on this song? What movie scene? Can you can you imagine? Can you think of the movie scene where that song really made it? And really popped because the video is popular and all that. And Run did a great job with it, you know. Um, it was Die Hard when he was riding when Bruce Willis was riding to the Nakatomi Tower in the uh, in the limousine. That was what was playing. I watched a lot of television when I was growing up, and uh, and I know a lot about nothing. I thought you should know. I just know I know a lot about nothing. I know almost every song that you could imagine for the last 50 years in popular music. I know who did it. I know the lyrics to this song. You heard Devil Went Down to Georgia. I know every word of that song. It's weird. But there you go. That's where that song really uh, really took off was because of that with that uh, the limo driver. What was his name? The limo driver was his name. He had a one name. What's his job? 
I'll have to think about it. You guys are screaming at your radio right now. At least two of you are who have no life like me. Gavin Newsom's reparations committee will recommend handing out. Are you ready for this? These are people who uh, literally never experienced uh, slavery whatsoever, but uh, have some DNA that apparently uh, links them to uh, people who uh, were descendants of slaves. Okay, and, that, and that, that's okay. Whatever. Okay. You know, uh, $223,000. That's the amount that Gavin Newsom has come up to, to pay off descendants of all slaves in California for uh, housing uh, discriminations. It's going to cost the state uh, $560 billion. So uh, two-thirds of a trillion dollars in one state, which, by the way, just happens to be uh, more than the entire state expenditure in 2021. So this is smart. This is uh, real smart. And, you know, I I used to, I guess, I want to take this seriously, but I don't live in California. I'm not uh, not, uh, living in California. If you continue to live in California and you allow this to happen and you want to live there, then uh, you got what you get. Because, honestly, are you out of your bleeping mind. Uh, and I'm just going to mention, this has been the Democrat uh, Party, and the Democrat Party is a party of racism. They're the party of, uh, of the Civil War. They're the, uh, they're the uh, party of, uh, of Jim Crow. They're the party that actually prolonged women's suffrage by about 10 years. Uh, then they came up with this uh, great society, and they decided that what was going to really, really propel the black community forward was to give them government checks. And it wrecked the uh, black community. And there were things like uh, aid for dependent children. I know this because my mother ran apartments, and uh, and we would have ADC recipients there. And we had entire families. They, they said they were generations of ADC, where you literally would be paid more money to have more children and only if there was not a man in the house and that greatly impact impacted largely communities of color in the country so what they're trying to do here the nine member reparations task force formed by california governor gavin newsom part of the country's largest ever effort to address reparations for slavery which happened 160 plus years ago uh, and they're suddenly a bunch of people who uh, uh, who are not in uh, any way, shape, or form enslaved whatsoever, but have uh, genetic markings that would tie them to the people who lived back then. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I just did my DNA test. I have more Indian blood in my system than, than uh, Elizabeth Warren. I did. I just found that out. So what I'd recommend, if you are uh, uh, African-American and you're a descendant of a slave in um, uh, California, I'd move to California and get your $223,000. Dave Chappelle did a parody about this back in 2003 on The Chappelle Show. Here's what he uh, did. This is a live-breaking report with uh, reparations being decided on and given the thumbs up in America. Now, more reparations 2003 with Chuck Taylor. If you're just joining us, black people got their reparations checks today, and in short... All hell is broken loose. In sports, the Philadelphia 76ers took on the New York Knicks. But since none of the black players showed up, Todd McCullough ended up playing one-on-one with Travis Knight. McCullough had 75 points, beating Knight by seven. After the game, McCullough said that he was hurt that none of the black players showed up, but upbeat because he, quote, finally feels like he has a big penis. This is uh, Dave Chappelle. The The big penis club. (laughs) Okay, all right. Fortune magazine released their annual list of the 100 wealthiest people today, and Bill Gates has been overtaken. By whom, you ask? A Harlem resident named simply Tron. (laughs) Our Stephanie Gold is standing by with him now. So how did you become the world's wealthiest man, Tron? Hot hand in a dice game, baby girl. (laughs) Six hours straight, talking about clacking it, clacking it, clacking it, clack. Now you're looking at the world's richest man, and I'm black. Kiss my black ass. 
America. Yeah. <laughs> I think what everyone wants to know now is what are you going to do with all this money? Uh, uh, I'm going to reinvest my money into the community. Oh, that's a very nice gesture. What were you saying? <laughs> there you go. That is Dave Chappelle. <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, a woman in the uh, Reggie Jones Sawyer. No, it's a guy, actually. The task force member said the bill is a betrayal uh, of black Americans. We've been waiting for 400 years. We do not need an extension. Vote on it. Man, that guy is over 400 years old. Can you believe it? Uh, last half hour of the show right ahead. Don't go anywhere. FBI, DHS, IRS, CDC, HHS, all complete BS. It's the Rob Carson Show. Make sure to uh, check out the podcast if you get a moment. What we do a lot of times with the podcast, what you do is you... uh, and, and we're going to eventually do this, but a podcast generally, it's a, uh, a standalone uh, broadcast, you know, and, and it's like uh, your grandmother did it, by the way. She listened to talk radio back in, uh, you know, the 20s and 30s or 40s or whatever, and uh, those were podcasts. All of those serials, they were on, uh, you know, like The Shadow, these things, it was, it, they were gone before I was born, but podcasts, they were originally on radio in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and phased out in the late 60s, late 50s. That's it. We do a podcast, and it's the show. It's a radio show. We added all the commercials. We shortened it up. It's about two hours, and we put it up as the Rob Carson Show podcast. We may add long-form interviews and stuff like that eventually. But uh, right now, if you just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast, then uh, you can uh, you can listen to it, download it, uh, whatever. It's perfectly fine. Uh, go ahead and check that out uh, if you if you get the uh, chance to do it. That would be great. NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. I am told we have a special guest, and I uh, presume that I'm not going to get the, uh, the, the name wrong this time. I could be wrong, but Stacey Washington is joining us on the phone, uh, and uh, we have her on the Newsmax hotline right now. Hello, Stacey. How are you doing today? I am awesome. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, Stacy. You host a show. It's called Stacy on the Right on XM Satellite Radio. You are also a member of Project 21. And I understand, at least according to your bio, you live in St. Louis. Yes, you... well, the suburbs of St. Louis. But yes, I am about 20 minutes from downtown. This is interesting. I, I have a lot of experience in St. Louis. I, I was actually scheduled to take over Rush Limbaugh's spot a few years back on KMOX. And I've done a lot of time on KMOX. I, my heart is in St. Louis. Although uh, St. Louis, I just saw a new statistic that St. Louis is the most dangerous city in America, Baltimore number two. Uh, what is it like in uh, in St. Louis right now? I, I know what the downtown is like. I know what East St. Louis has been like for 50 years. But what is uh, life like in the Democratic enclave of st louis missouri right now well i don't live downtown and um, i got that i got that the we have a unique situation here in st louis so we do have high crime like most inner cities in america but we are the city of st louis and then st louis county so st louis county is uh about a million one so 1.1 1.2 million people and then uh, the city is about 315,000 people. So the crime statistics are aggregated over the 315,000 instead of being aggregated over the 1.4 million, yeah. um, which makes it, uh, the numbers are, are awfully high. But if you look at the data, the crime statistics, they actually drill down to the street corner, and you can find where the majority of the crime is located. So uh, unfortunately, the reputation yeah. is 
horrendous, but the lifestyle here is amazing. We have great yeah. private schools and fantastic home prices, and it's a great place to raise a family. My husband and I never intended on staying here for 24 years, but we've been here for yeah. 24 years. Well, listen, so, I, 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 I've been involved in St. Louis. I've, been, you know, I've got friends in Chesterfield. I've got a lot of friends in Ladue and, and all over St. Louis. And I wasn't meaning to whiz on St. Louis. I'm just talking about St. Louis Central and Democrat leadership because uh, it's an issue. Before we move on from St. Louis, uh, Emo's Pizza, yes or no? Well, one of my best friends has a few of those stores, so that's a yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Oh, cool. Oh, uh, uh, deep-fried ravioli, yes or no? Yes. Come on! All right, there you go. That's all I needed to say. Mm-hmm. I've been preaching the gospel of uh, fried ravioli for years. And, uh, deep, so good. Dear God in heaven, it's, it's, it's glorious. All right, uh, now, you uh, tell me about um, uh, your show, and also, what is it? Uh, tell me about Project 21. I'm not all that familiar with, uh, with your Project 21. Project 21 is a division of the National Center for Public Policy Research, and it is um, it's a, like a clearinghouse where we all uh, work together to spread the message of conservatism. It's been around for over 30 years, Very nice. and it's Black Leadership Council. So basically all of the people that we have in media try to act as if black conservatives don't exist. Yes. Project 21 was stood up to basically say, uh, instead of raising you a middle finger, we'll raise you three or 400 black conservatives on media. We do thousands of interviews a year, and we talk about the freedom message. So we're nonpartisan, but obviously freedom leans right, and so, you know, you can take what you will. <laughs> yeah, Stacey, uh, now there were a lot of uh, moves um, with regard to uh, black and Hispanics toward the Republican Party, toward Donald Trump. Um and uh, and and I, I I remember after the election of 2020, Facebook blew up the walkaway movement. They took it away. There were half a million people on the Facebook walkaway walk movement. Most of them were people of color, and and Facebook saw that as a threat. We now know that Facebook was colluding with the federal government on a number of issues to shut down uh, conservatism, uh, to shut down conservatives, to actually shut down Hunter Biden's laptop story, etc. What right now would you consider? And, and you are. A person of color i am not um with regard to uh, black conservatism people of color uh leaning conservative h- how is that movement going was it in any way shape or fame uh, uh form squelched by um the, the powers that be in the democrat party well i so first of all i think there's the there's the movement of conservatism and then there's just the way people live um, I think, you know, it, we, anthropological studies prove that conservative living actually translates into successful outcomes everywhere in your life. So um, I think that is always going to be the routine here in America for people who want to be successful. Um, when you talk about black Americans, we are seeing outsized levels of success in some areas, co- college attainment, business ownership. Yeah. Black Americans achieved a lot during the Trump years. There's a bit of rolling back of that during the Biden economy. Um, I know we had a good month for jobs. The jobs report just came out and showed that, you know, jobs were up. But black unemployment is not as low as it was during the Trump years. So I, I would just recommend to people that instead of thinking of it as a black movement, you think of it as a freedom movement. And anyone yeah. who's participating in it is increasing in wealth, educational attainment, business ownership, all of the metrics of what we consider to be the successful free market economy that is America. And so opening up the thought process to it being more about the outcomes that are achieved instead of, you know, the kind of characteristics of those who are participating, yeah. it's a much better way of measuring it. And, and I, I love the fact that this is America and I could be as successful or as unsuccessful as I choose to be. 
And that's not the case in a lot of other countries across this great world. Exactly. And, and I was mentioning the other day, uh, we had a, a young uh, player on the U.S. men's soccer team was confronted by an uh, Iranian um, uh, reporter and, uh, and said that, you know, basically America was uh, racist and all this. And I said, well, name the last black person who achieved the fame and fortune of people like Oprah Winfrey in Iran. You know, uh, and, and well, I would venture- or, the, or the actual basketball player himself, Mr. Taylor, actually told him, "I apologize for, for mispronouncing Iran at you know it, it's Iran," as the man said. Yeah. He also rebuked him for picking up that racist mantra, yes. the trope that Democrats they, they successfully yes. sold it to foreigners. Now foreigners think yes. they have to ask black people about race. So but silly. wasn't but wasn't his response just outstanding? It was. I got chills because I thought, "Here's a young man." who sought to highlight his own familial upbringing and the fact that he was raised in a family of white people, but that's not the most important thing. They loved him, they nurtured him, and he became successful because he came out of a home where he thought he could do anything. And so that's literally what he's doing. He's in in a foreign country answering (laughs) questions from a foreigner about, about America, you know. And, you know and, and anybody else would have done a mic drop, but he didn't even do a mic drop. It was just implied. Yeah, it was too sweet. <laughs> Stacey, let me ask you this, because I, I have been um, very active in inner city communities for my entire broadcast career because I am heartbroken by what's happening in America's inner cities, particularly with young black men, but also, let's, let's say, young black women as well, certainly. I have been fighting a fight for them for 30 years of broadcasting, working with inner city neighborhoods to foster and adopt kids, to, to try to k- turn things around. And, and I'm just, it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching that in that time, literally two generations, are, are experiencing the hopelessness that existed, and things have only gotten worse, even after Barack Obama was the president of the United States. I know that there are so many successful people of color in the country, but there seems to be a disconnect between Democrats uh, and others with those who are living in the inner cities and experiencing that. Where do we go, Stacey? What do we do to stop another generation of hopelessness and death for kids of color in America's inner cities? So we're returning to the nuclear family, which is the one metric that consistently has been trending in the wrong direction. I was looking at a map the other day. It's a map of the globe, and it shows all of the nations, the you know, major countries, and what percentage of their children are growing up in single-parent households. And America stands at 24%, the highest percentage anywhere on the planet. We're supposed to be leading in promoting freedom and liberty and good ideas and the free market economy. And instead, we're leading on how many children are growing up alone with one parent. So I, I, that's the first place it has to start. And yeah. it doesn't matter if we're talking about inner cities or rural areas, Appalachia, yes. suburbs, these the, these metrics are trending in the wrong direction in every area of our society so when you talk about hopelessness that's something that's actually impacting a lot of americans especially with the uh, fentanyl overdoses and the 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 way that the carnage the economic carnage it reaches into every community so um i i I promote the biblical worldview i think one thing that prevents people from being hopeless is if they know where they come from and they know where they're going so i i tell people you know if you want to be full of hope Crack open your Bible or pull it up on your phone. That's the wonderful yeah. thing about 2022 is every person on the planet who owns a phone also owns the Bible. And you can pull up any hopeful scripture you'd like. The Bible says 365 times, do not fear. 
I said hundreds of times how wonderful we are, how well we're made, how much yeah. we reflect our creator. And if we focus on those things and then work, because faith is an action word, yeah. we will not only not be hopeless, but we'll have amazing accomplishments and we'll be a part of a community, our own small communities. I'm not talking about black America or Hispanic America yeah. or Republicans or Democrats. I mean the small community that is the neighbor across the street, the people you go to church with, the people you work with, the people you might be doing activism with, trying to clean up schools, get pornographic books off the shelves, yes. you know, making a real difference. Those communities are where you're going to find hope. And I think every inner city where I see vibrant communities where people are growing and things are changing, it's yeah. because they have hope and it's because they've chosen not to believe what the media says about black people, that we don't have yeah. diversity of thought, that we can't think for ourselves, that we're a monolith. Don't listen to that. Listen to me. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're fantastic. You're made in the image of God. You have a future. You have a purpose. And you can do anything you want because you're an American. That was uh, that was really, really excellent. I appreciate that. And, and Stacey, i got to tell you, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are looking for uh, words like those. I think there are a lot of people who are frustrated. They look at uh, what's happening in the country. And dear God in heaven, I mean, we've. I don't think I've ever seen us in a place right now where that is no more morally questionable, more where I think evil is really, really, there is a, uh, a, a, a an exist, existential uh, battle between good and evil in the world right now. I believe that good is going to win but there are days stacy i'm sure you know you're you've entered the fray you're you're you've been a part of this for a while some days it's very hard particularly if you're a thought leader supposedly in the conservative movement that you've got to wake up every day and you've got to go god dang it we're going to hell in a handbasket what do i do and i think what you just said is really important and how do you do it every day we got about a minute how do you do this every day how do you and what would you do to people who feel down and they're getting down and maybe we didn't do as much as we needed in the midterms although i would venture to say it was a pretty good midterm what it do you say to the midterm uh, but what i'd say to that is um you know sometimes i do I, I sit down in my studio at home and i get ready to pull the mic over to do my show at night at 9 p.m east and i think wow a lot of these stories are pretty heavy yeah. But what I do is I tune into people who lift me up, um, and I expect when people tune into me that they will be lifted up. The, a huge part of what I do is I present the truth, unadulterated truth, but I also present the hopeful message that is the same one that was given to us by the founders, the same message that runs hotly in our veins because we're Americans, and we're founded on a Judeo-Christian principle that means that we all have freedom and liberty and that it's given to us by God and preserved in the Constitution. I focus on that. I lift people up. And I hope to be lifted up when I'm engaging with people like yourself. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get energy from this. Your energy right. comes into me, and I spread it out. <laughs> Good for you. Now, listen, I, I live in Kansas City. So if I'm in St. Louis, we'll go out to Pappy's. We'll get some barbecue Aww. at Pappy's, right? Yeah. And then you you come here and you let me show you Kansas City barbecue, and we'll see we who's talking. Love Kansas City. <laughs> that is a great town. So you know what? You, you're you're on. When me and my husband right, show up, we're going to go eat. You, you, okay. You got to go eat. All right. you, know, you know one of the best barbecue joints in Kansas City? Rob, oh Cardiff, Rob Carson's house. Thank you very much. All right, all right. Now, Stacy on the right, you're on Sirius XM. You said 9 o'clock Eastern, right? Right, 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, find me everywhere. I'm always the same. Stacy on the right. Thank you for having me on. Great to yeah. talk to you. Hey, you know what? Let's let's do this. Let's make this regular because I think you're you're awesome. I really do. I really do. I'd love to join you again. Thank you. All right. God, God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We'll have you on again soon. All right. Let's Merry take a Christmas. break. All right. It's the Rob Carson Show. 
Joe Biden's first year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. His name was Argyle. What are you talking about, Carson? I had mentioned earlier one of the greatest Christmas songs ever, and there's, you know, a million of them, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm sliding uh, anybody like Nat King Cole or anybody, or Burl Ives, but uh, but Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis is just spectacular. It's a brilliant song. Uh, it was Argyle. Argyle was the guy driving the limo when Bruce uh, Willis was taken uh, to the uh, Nakatomi ca- uh, Tower. His name was Argyle. There you go. <laughs> Uh, oh, 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 um, real quick. <clears throat> uh, Switzerland to ban electric cars from roads and order game consoles turned off during power shortages in a bid to reduce energy consumption. In emergency situations, electric vehicles will be banned for all but essential trips if it comes to that in, uh, in Sweden. I thought you should know that. And uh, they'll do it here. And if you have an EV, you're a poser. There you go. Oh, what else? What else? What else? What else? Oh, oh, oh here's this one. Um, oh, 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 I got that. 69% of Democrats agree Arizonans were denied the sacred right to vote. But that's not the most important part of this, according to Randy DeSoto. Of, uh, he worried this is the articles of Gateway Pundit, but uh, Randy DeSoto doesn't work there. A new poll of 69% of Democrats survey believed that Arizonans were denied the sacred right to vote due to the election day polling site problems that occurred in Maricopa County, leading to hours long lines. You see, good, decent uh, uh, Democrats across the, uh, the, the, the country who are not political tools in power, they even realize that, uh, you know, uh, Arizona was a Charlie Fox trot. I'll just put it that way. 65% of Democrat respondents to a Rasmussen report agreed it was likely it affected the outcome of the U.S. Senate race as well between Mark Kelly and uh, Blake Masters. 71% of the likely U.S. voters thought it likely affected the outcome, including 70 per, or 40% who said it likely did. Yeah, and that's just a senatorial race. And that wasn't even as tight as Carrie Lake's and, uh, Car- and Katie Hobbs' race. Yeah. Rasmussen uh, lead pollster Mark Mitchell pointed out in uh, Real America's Voice interview that voter suppression is a big deal with Democrats. Really the biggest one when it comes to elections. If you ask somebody if it's more important to prevent cheating or to make uh, sure everyone votes, every single Democrat said it's more important to prevent cheating except, well, that's uh, except for Democrats, what he says. But there are some Democrats who feel otherwise. Here was the question. Do you agree or disagree with the statement about the election problems here in Arizona? This vote isn't about Republicans or Democrats. This is about our sacred right to vote. What do you think? 72% agreed. They said that it's more important about the sacred uh, right to vote. 69% of Democrats. And hashtag Carrie Lake won. I'll just throw that in there. Let's throw that in there. Uh, I think it's nonsense, and I'm not going to back off of it until you prove me otherwise. Uh, with regard to, we, we in the last year, when do you think about this before we say goodbye for today? Uh, we in the last two years have been introduced to Soviet-style censorship, collaboration between the U.S. federal government and big social media, the mainstream media, they just bend over and take it anyway. And they have introduced terms that you used by Stalin, disinformation and misinformation. And those people also in charge of elections in places like Arizona. So I'm not going to give up until I know the exact truth. And if I lived in Arizona and Katie, La- uh, Carrie, uh, Katie Hobbs was sworn in, 
Um, I'll, I'll take a break. We've got to come back and wrap things up. Hold on. All right, guys, that's going to do it. Live in New York next week. Have a glorious weekend with your families. God bless you. God bless the unborn. And don't catch the stupid. Hashtag Carrie Lake One. See ya. <laughs>